Are you ready? I, I don't know. Let me know. Are you ready? I. Uh, are you ready? I don't. You ready? I don't think. Are so. you ready? Uh, sure. Coming at you. Okay. Coming quick. Okay. Blow. Eight carries, 15 yards in the first half. Cousins loses the football. Strip sack and a takeaway by Chicago. Who else but Khalil Mack? Indicating the amount of time they used man. Third and nine. Trubisky trying to keep the drive alive. They're looking for an all. Touchdown! Taylor Gabriel. Trubisky with a strike. Hand off. McKissick. Save the touchdown. Football. Catch the fever. So obviously, top of mind, all year long since the end of the regular season last year, uh, besides how the Bears going to play during a pandemic, which came out a little bit later, but... The big question has continued to be who is going to be the quarterback helming the 2020-2021 Chicago Bears. Reported on by ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Bears will be tabbing Mitch Trubisky for the week one matchup against the Detroit Lions, and he will be the starting quarterback to start out the year. Uh, Reports out of camp are both guys have been okay and uh, neither has really stood out above the other. Both have had some really good points, some definite lackluster points. And uh, Matt Nagy has even said things to the media like he wants his quarterbacks pushing the the ball downfield more, and they haven't really been able to accomplish that in practice, which scares you a little bit because they couldn't do it last year and they could not execute in the game. And if you can't do it in practice, very rarely does it click uh, on, on Sundays. I mean, maybe when you have great players, but clearly that's not the case here. Uh, but the Bears aren't going to have a world beater at quarterback either way. I mean, we kind of know the player that Mitchell Trubisky is. And just focusing on him for a second, let's look at 2018 compared to 2019. 2018, pass rating of 95.4. Uh, had 3,223 yards, 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, a yards uh, per attempt average of 7.4, which, you know, that number and the numbers that I just read off, solid, nothing to ride home about. Maybe you're middle of the pack when it comes to quarterback play, but uh, definitely not flirting with the top, not... Uh, Definitely not uh, one of the elites of the NFL. So keep all those numbers in mind when you hear 2019. He goes with a passer rating of 83, 12.4 points lower than 2018. And that 95.4, not an overly elite number when you talk about quarterback rating. He had 3,138 yards, so about the same yards, but still uh, around 100 yards less than 2018. Now you get to the scarier numbers. 17 touchdowns, seven less touchdowns than a year ago, and only two less interceptions when he had 10 
in 2019. So 17 and 10 was his touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, yards per attempt average 6.1, which was even lower than his rookie year of 6.6. You know, uh, another thing too, obviously with him, completion percentage, 2018, 66.6, 2019, 63.2 for his career, 63.4. Mitch struggles with accuracy. We know this, and that's going to be a big question mark for opening up the season because you're not going to see him do it against any competition besides his own defense and within practice in this controlled environment. Honestly, quarterbacks are, are kind of meant to succeed in practice. It's really the games where you don't know what's going to happen, uh, but practice is set up for your quarterback to be confident and to be ready on Sundays. And Mitch clearly didn't do a good enough job last year. Uh, we know he's behind Mahomes and Watson when it comes to quarterback play. And it's really, can he just become a good enough quarterback that you feel comfortable giving him some money while you try to develop uh, other quarterbacks behind him? And he certainly hasn't earned that. Now, who should be the starter this year? Uh, I think it should be Mitch Trubisky with all that said. And the reason why is simply if neither guy has stood out, uh, you really can't go back to Mitch if you bench him to start. If, let's say you start off with Nick Foles and Nick Foles stinks, which we'll talk about him in a second, it's going to be hard going back to Mitch. Now, you can do that, but if Mitch comes in and stinks, I mean, your season just unravels that. The rest of the team understands at that point we have no hope at quarterback because you really, you can go back to Foles, but... Look at what Jacksonville did a year ago with Nick Foles. He's the starter, gets injured. Gardner Minshew comes in, plays really well at first, then struggles. They go back to Nick Foles. He struggles. They go back to Gardner Minshew. I mean, that's a mess. And you saw how Jacksonville just completely checked out so early into that season, probably around week uh, 11 or 12, when it looked pretty obvious at that point that they were not going to be able to get a wild card or win the division. So Nick Foles, you know, he's a guy, when you look at him statistically, he runs hot or he runs cold. And he has usually been better as a part-time player and better as a backup and better when the games matter the most. So there's a lot to dissect in there. And ultimately, Nick Foles, probably his greatest strength is coming in when the team needs him the most and when all the pressure's on him. Therefore, it would make a lot of sense to me, again, keeping him as a backup, letting Mitch go out there and try to prove himself, and knowing that the most likely scenario is Mitch will not play well, you have that other option, and then at that point, the pressure is really on Nick because the whole team is going to be counting on him at that point, and usually he comes through in those situations. So if Mitch is able to take a few steps forward and get back to a 2018 kind of baseline with maybe a little bit more upside, you know, the Bears might not have a gigantic hole at quarterback and maybe you don't even need a Nick Foles because Mitch probably at that point is good enough to give you enough points and enough uh, pressure offensively with the rest of the unit that the defense can overwhelm opponents. And if they can just simply get back to a competency at the quarterback spot and 
dare I say, get some big plays downfield out of them, even if it's not routine and consistent, but it just it's an obvious uptick compared to previous years. You know, this offense can do enough, I think, and and maybe even bigger than the quarterback is how much does this run game progress uh, this year under Matt Nagy? Because if you don't have a world beater at quarterback, you definitely want to have a nice supplemental run game to help out your offense. It, it should be a lot of fun, uh, this week one matchup against Detroit, because all the pressure's on Mitch. If he delivers, you know, he can start winning back fans and start winning back this city. His team still believes in him, but clearly their faith is shaken, and there's not going to be a ton of rope given to Mitch if he's out there playing inconsistency inconsistently on Sundays. Because, you know, it's great to have an improved training camp, but you got to get it done on game day for sure. We've seen that with a run game, with a defense, and a capable quarterback, you can get all the way to the Super Bowl. Now we get to a very mysterious part of the team, and similar to last season with uh, the revolving door of kickers and the kicking competition, and kind of just felt like there was this uh, clown car of kickers coming out of uh, House Hall all the time, uh, where basically they open the door and just kicker after kicker after kicker after kicker. And uh, you could say that that is the beginning, or that is the 2019 version with the tight ends because uh, the Bears have signed a lot of them. They've made a lot of movement. Last year, their main guy was Trey Burden. He's been let go and now is with the Indianapolis Colts. They really didn't have too much behind him. Adam Shaheen was the longtime backup. He's been traded to Miami. So it's a fresh start for the Bears and uh, their tight end group. And, you know, honestly, for good reason, because I'm going to just read some very quick stats to express a very large point. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar. Uh, the Bears last year, tight ends combined, all the tight ends that played, all of them. This is not just a guy. 36 receptions, 416 yards, two touchdowns. This is an offense based on the tight end. And they didn't get anything. I mean anything from uh, their tight end group and of course injury played a part of that yada yada but clearly a disaster so they go into this year make a little controversial move by signing jimmy graham and just to go with jimmy graham for a minute i don't think uh, you know some people have talked about him as a potential savior at that tight end position and have really criticized the bears for this move this move might not work out and it might not be flashy but Honestly, there's not much worse you could do than what you had at tight end last year. And Jimmy Graham is a guy Ryan Pace knows. He believes he works in this offense. Matt Nagy needs tight ends that can at least be solid. And when you talk about Jimmy Graham, he's a big-bodied guy. He's definitely lost a lot of his speed. But even just last year, 38 receptions, 447 yards, three touchdowns. He would have led the Bears. He would have doubled the Bears tight end production by him just being on the roster with everybody else playing I mean him alone would have the numbers that the Bears combined to get so when you're talking about just such a low baseline to me it's fine for them to go after Jimmy Graham now they probably overpaid and paid him too much money but the focal point of that tight end position is really their second round pick Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham right now is just there for protection for protection for him you don't want to just throw a tight end into the fire 
because it's one of the hardest conversions a college player makes going into the NFL. It's probably just below quarterback when you talk about going from college to pro. You have to know that uh, offensive scheme inside and out, both blocking schemes as well as the passing tree, and you got to know what everybody's doing at all times. It's a very difficult position, and that's why you've seen a lot of teams swing and miss on guys early in the draft, and then you see a guy like George Kittle, who's a fifth-round pick, suddenly he's the best tight end in football. It's a very hard position to scout. It's a very hard position to develop. And you're seeing how difficult that is for the Bears, which is no surprise because they've really struggled at the quarterback position too. So Cole Komet, from all reports, has looked really good. Matt Nagy has really praised him and his ability to uh, get this playbook down. And supposedly he's doing some really good stuff on the practice field. I would be surprised if Cole Komet comes in and just uh, an immediate such a huge impact player. Now, that doesn't mean he can't have an impact and it be somewhat immediate. Now, if they give him the right role and give him the right stuff in terms of plays and, and routes that he can handle and blocking assignments that he can handle and he's comfortable with everything, he can definitely make an impact. And again, that's why you talk about Jimmy Graham and you look at the depth at the position, it's a little bit better than last year with Demetrius Harris, who was a really solid role player with Matt Nagy in Kansas City. So this tight end group should be better than it was last year, but how much better? Because again, this is a tight end offense. If Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham have kind of a renaissance together where Cole Komet develops and gets into this league and Jimmy Graham kind of revitalizes himself and uh, becomes once again, a decent threat at tight end, uh, not expecting the old Jimmy Graham. Those days are done, him being already 33 years old, but maybe he still has a few more years of good football and especially can be a threat in that red zone area. So if they can just find a way to be really productive, both of them in whatever roles that this offense puts them in, man, that's going to go a long way. And at least for whatever quarterback they ultimately decide on, you're talking about really big bodied, uh, good hand, uh, good soft hand individuals and Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, even Demetrius Harris. So the production should definitely be better. The question is how much better? Let's talk about uh, what should be some good news this year and uh, a big year certainly for this unit and just kind of knowing how strong is your strength because clearly what the Bears are, if anything, is a defensive-oriented team. Uh, They are a collection of pretty good players to a few really elite ones. Obviously, like Khalil Mack comes to mind, you know, Akeem Hicks, if he can stay healthy, can be up there as one of the better defensive tackles in the league, if not, you know, top five, something like that. Uh, Roquan Smith, I think he was really turning it around last year a little bit, but injuries and then his personal issues off the field kind of derailed his season. So maybe he kind of takes that huge step that you're looking for. You feel like you got a great safety in Eddie Jackson, and he's going to be playing more center field than he did a season ago. You got a Pro Bowl caliber corner in Kyle Fuller. So this defense has a ton of talent. And when you look at 2018, they were basically number one in everything. Number one in drives that didn't end in scoring. Number one in, or I'm sorry, number four in conversions against on third down. So they did a great job on third down. Number one in scoring, only giving up 17.7 points per game. Uh, number one in rushing defense. 
only giving up uh, 80 yards per game. And then when you look at passing defense, they were number seven overall. Total defense, number one. Great stuff, obviously, in 2018. So they went from elite and took a little bit of a step back, but we got to also put in perspective that step back because they still rank number four overall in team defense. When you look at passing defense, they went from seven to nine. Rushing defense, they went one to nine. That's where the big change was for them. They were so dominant against the run, uh, giving up 102 yards in 2019 versus what I said before in 2018, 80. Big difference. When you look at uh, the scoring defense, still really solid, just not the same that it was last year, number four at 18.6. So giving up just basically one extra point a game. So still really good stuff. Their third down conversion rate, that took a little bit of a hit. They went down to number 10. And then when you look at drives against this season where it didn't end in uh, score for the offense, 31.5% 31.5% of the time, which ranked them fifth. So they had a drop-off. They didn't have a massive drop-off. And there's plenty of reasons to explain all of it because you still have a Khalil Mack, when healthy, he's going to draw so much attention. The issue with that Bears defense last year is no one could take advantage of the attention paid to Khalil Mack in that front seven because Akeem Hicks wasn't there. The rest of the pass rushers couldn't beat one-on-ones. And you're looking at inside linebackers like Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith to maybe help out in the pass game in terms of rushing the passer. That hurts your pass defense. And even though they're good blitzing linebackers, their forte is not necessarily rushing the passer. So they have to get an improvement there. And obviously signing Robert Quinn should help. And if you can get a key mix healthy all year, then... Even though you've lost Eddie Goldman, which is a really, really nice player, and that's going to be a tough loss, this front seven should still be very formidable. And they have a lot of talent there, potentially, that can dominate and get them back into more of an elite category in our minds, at least mentally, even though statistically they're still pretty up there. They got to stay up there because definitely if this defense struggles, whether it's injuries or just bad play, this team is going to struggle. They're going to go as far as this defense can carry them. And a big thing to keep an eye on, because everything's really in place. Eddie Jackson's playing more of the center field. Uh, They have a few other safeties next to Eddie Jackson that should complement his skills versus HaHa Clinton Dix, where both of them were very similar type players. So you kind of didn't have enough in the box in that opposite safety of Eddie Jackson. Therefore, he played in the box and it didn't work out so well. Uh, like I said, you got the inside linebackers, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith back. So everything looks right. The big thing besides the Eddie Goldman absence uh, is looking at that opposite corner. Jalen Johnson, the rookie, after Cole Komet in that second round, looks pegged to be that starter. And losing Artie Burns to that ACL hurts their depth a little bit. They have Kevin Tolliver, but then there's not a lot of proven after that. And even Kevin Tolliver pretty unproven he's been okay in the few spot starts he's had but not necessarily this guy you look at as really uh being a big time factor in that cornerback competition you really uh, everybody is expecting Jalen Johnson if not necessarily week one because there is no preseason this year but early on in that season probably within the first month Uh, People are expecting Jalen Johnson, especially with all the good reports coming out of camp about him, that he can be a primetime cornerback for you. And if he can stay healthy and the rest of that secondary can stay healthy, 
they should be a pretty formidable group themselves. So it really comes down to coaching from Chuck Pagano. Can he kind of make some adjustments with his scheme, get a little more airtight, uh, get this defense rolling a little bit? Hopefully the injuries, they stay away this season, unlike they did in 2018. Uh, when the team stayed pretty much healthy the entire year for the most part, lost a couple guys, but really uh, were pretty good health-wise. Can they get back to being closer to that where enough good players are on the field? Because, uh, again, if the offense can do a little bit more, special teams is solid, it just you need that defense to stay exactly where it's been since 2018. Uh, they got to keep holding opponents to low scoring and – it's going to be exciting to see how this defense uh, plays this year because definitely there's some worry, but there's also a big potential of explosion from them where don't be surprised if they get back to being one of the league's elite. All right. We now have reached uh, the part in our We Are Regal Radio Bear season preview where I want to talk about who's arse is most on the line right now and not that i think necessarily he'll get fired at the end of the year maybe if there's a disaster of a season but Matt Nagy and this coaching staff to me have a ton of heat on them and you could definitely throw the defensive side of the ball on the into question as well because chuck pagano's defense at least in his inaugural season didn't perform in the same consistency and that same kind of elite toughness uh just special qualities that Vic Fangio had brought when he was defense coordinator before going to Denver so when you look at that side of the ball defensively certainly plenty has to be shown but there's reasons why the defense maybe wasn't as good last year which obviously the big one is injuries when you talk about Trevathan Hicks Roquan Smith so that can explain why the defense wasn't quite what it was uh, in 2018 under Vic Fangio, his final season. There's definitely plenty to be seen there from Chuck Pagano, but when you go to the offensive side of the ball, Matt Nagy is the, you know, he's the experienced coach here. He has been in this position in Chicago specifically, the longest. This is his system, it's his team. He is an offensive coach, and when you look at some of the stats and differences between his first year and his second year, you know, it's pretty stark. When you look at team total offense, uh, the Bears ranked ninth in 2018, and these will be the following rankings where they got 5,502 yards combined of offense. Specifically with their passing offense, they were 21st in the league with 3,564 passes to go along with 28 touchdowns. Uh, a quarterback rating of 95.4. So solid numbers across the board, but obviously you want to be higher up in the passing game. Rushing offense, 11th. They had uh, yards per game of 121.1 and 1,938 yards on the ground. Really solid offensive year when it came to rushing, and that obviously came from the running backs and the quarterback. When you look at uh, scoring offense, the Bears were ninth at 26.3. When you look at conversions, third down specifically, the Bears ranked 12th at 41%. And when you look at drive averages, and specifically percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, the Bears were 18th at 36.8. Now you fast forward all the way to 2019, and the Bears total offense, 29th with 4,000. 
749 yards. So a difference about 800 yards. Uh, you look at their passing offense, 25th in the league, 3,291. You know, not as stark of a drop off compared to last season and also the quarterback rating of 83.9. That was the big difference. And remember, with quarterback rating, it's usually penalizing you for interceptions and rewarding you for touchdowns. So clearly the balance was different as the Bears only had 20 passing touchdowns. When you look at rush offense, 27th, you go from 11th to 27th with 1,458 yards, 91.1 yards a game. They dropped 30 yards a game average from one season to the next in 2018 to 2019. Scoring offense, 17.5 points per game, ranked them 29th, 25th in third down conversions at 35.6%. That's a 6% difference, basically, huge. And then obviously with scoring, you're talking a nearly 10-point difference in scoring. That's huge. Drive averages, percentage of drives ending in an offensive score, they rank 29th at 29.1%. That's a big difference from their 36.8 last year. So at least uh, uh, 7% of their drives basically didn't end in scoring like it did a season ago. Matt Nagy has been mentioned in the same breath with Sean McVay and some of these other offensive gurus. And they're obviously similar when you're talking young, offensive-minded head coaches. And both of them have their Coach of the Year awards. But Sean McVay has done a tremendous job building his team, unlike Matt Nagy, and building his offense. Uh, you could definitely question plenty of things a season ago in terms of play calling, dedication to the run, and then how he helped his quarterbacks through scheme adjustments or just play calling adjustments. It felt like he really kind of left uh, Mitchell Trubisky and the struggling pieces of that offense on an island basically making them try to work in his system versus his system making it work with the players and that's how you're supposed to do it as a offensive-minded head coach which raises a lot of red flags about Matt Nagy when you see his progression so far so he needs to get back to doing a lot of the things that he did in 2018 mainly with the run game because look two years in a row they're about mid-20s to high-20s in passing we can't expect a huge difference there maybe they get into the teens but definitely with the run game, you can't go from 11th all the way down. You're almost at 30, and there's only 32 teams. That's where a big improvement has to come from. And then, obviously, the things that were hit on in this preview, like the tight end and then the quarterback position. But certainly, Matt Nagy, and now with his brand-new offensive coaches like Bill Lazor and John Filippo and Juan Castillo, they got to come in and they got to figure this thing out. And got to remember the win. We've talked about that. And I think it's warmed up, though, Jim, just to talk about the atmosphere of the game. Yeah. What do you think? Are you, are you warmer now than you were earlier in the game? <laughs> or are you just numb? I'm fine. Okay. I'm worried about you. Bears fans, it is time for We Are Regal Radio's fourth and goal, and that is four goals for any opponent that the Bears are facing. This week they will be opening up uh, 
the season, week one in Detroit against the Detroit Lions, a familiar division rival. And I believe the Bears are looking for their first season opening victory since 2013. Now, this is going to be two goals combined in one, and we're going to be looking at the quarterbacks for both sides. And let's start with uh, the Detroit Lions, because a lot of pub and a lot of... um, I guess, predictions are going in the favor of Detroit over the Bears. A lot of people across the football nation, if you will, across the country, different writers, different analysis, they they believe that the Bears are going to be at best third in this division or more than likely finishing last. And a big part of that, I believe, is the quarterback because Mitchell Trubisky on paper and really overall is probably the worst quarterback in this division because the Lions are getting back a guy in Matt Stafford that uh, you know has his flaws but arguably is is coming on strong in this part of his career now uh, you know in his early 30s has matured and still has a rocket arm seems to be a little bit more of a quarterback has learned some of those nuances and it should make a big difference and looking back last year You know, the Bears swept the Lions 2-0, but that first game when they played the Lions, which was November 10th last year, that was uh, a surprise scratch of Matt Stafford, who was dealing with injury, and Jeff Driscoll came into that game. And as you can imagine, it wasn't uh, the best performance. He had a 73.6 rating, one touchdown, one interception, and a completion percentage of only 58.7. But still, even with just kind of those bare numbers at the quarterback position. And remember, we don't think of Detroit as a defensive juggernaut, even though they have a head coach that's uh, defensive-minded, Matt Patricia. They aren't a juggernaut defensively. They're not necessarily a juggernaut rushing the football. So this isn't some team that, you know, is trying to keep the score low and control the football or anything like that. The Bears only won by a total of seven, 20 to 13. And you really didn't get much from Jeff Driscoll in that matchup. Fast forward to David Blah, who came in as uh, the next backup when Jeff Driscoll was hurt and Matt Stafford was hurt. And this was played on uh, November 28th. The Bears won that game 24-20. to Looking at David Blah's stats, a little bit better. 87.6 quarterback rating, 57.89 completion percentage, two touchdowns, one interception. So... Detroit, in their two losses against the Bears last year, really didn't have that great a play from the quarterback. I mean, 87.6 was the best quarterback rating that the Bears uh, faced from a Lions quarterback, and that really is just very average at best. So a huge matchup in this game is how Matt Stafford and that offense attacks this Bears defense, because in both matchups, last season, the Lions scored a total of 33 points, which is very good when you look at it from the Bears standpoint. Can they do something similar like that this year with Matt Stafford at quarterback? Because he's going to open up that pass game so much more than Driscoll or Blah could have done. And uh, you look at overall what Matt Stafford could potentially do in this game, you know, if he puts up points and turns this into a little bit of a track meet, it's probably unlikely that the Bears are going to be able to win that type of game. And on top of it, they have a couple of really nice running backs in on Johnson and Adrian Peterson, who they picked up. You know, if that run game gets going and Matt Stafford is going, this could be a long, long day at the workplace for the Chicago Bears overall because 
if you're thinking Bears-wise, the goal would be here. you got to slow Matt Stafford down to make him look similar to Driscoll and David Blau. Because if if Stafford is putting up regular numbers, if he gets a quarterback rating of, let's say, 100, three touchdowns, maybe just one pick, completion percentage near 70, and that could be a really, really challenging situation, not only for the Bears' defense, but for the Bears' offense in trying to kind of – uh, create that same kind of production when we know overall the Bears are really going to struggle most likely offensively at least early on when they're trying to get things going. Uh, switching now over to the Bears when we look at them and their goal for this matchup it's the same kind of thing that we just talked about with, with Detroit. The Bears last year in their matchups with Detroit and you know we know it wasn't uh, it wasn't great, but this is the team that Mitchell Trubisky owns. Remember, like this is the team that he does by far the best against. It's definitely his team. And his first victory against uh, the Detroit Lions, really good stuff. Quarterback rating of 131, three touchdowns, 70% completion percentage, but only threw for 173 yards. So it just a lot of short and underneath stuff. Um, but still able to capitalize on some touchdown passes, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, that's a huge thing. Um, you look at his other victory against the Detroit Lions, a 118 passer rating, three touchdowns, one interception, 29 of 38 for 76.32%. Really good stuff from him there. 338 was the yardage. Uh, so against these Lions, they did a terrific job Mitchell, I should say, did a terrific job overall in playing them. But they weren't easy games. He didn't necessarily dominate his competition across from him, which was Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll or David Blau. So Mitchell Trubisky obviously benefited from going up against some weaker competition. How does he react going up against a guy like Matt Stafford, who, you know, if you remember back to some of those Detroit games, they were still very close in the fourth quarter, and Mitch did enough in those fourth quarters along with the defense to just get that big play or get that big stop that was able to just get them over the hump. And these weren't easy games, and to be fair, Detroit was a pretty tough opponent overall for most teams last year, especially when they had Matt Stafford. So... Is Mitchell Trubisky going to be able to match that similar type of output if, let's say, Matt Stafford is very clutch throughout the game, takes care of the football, and then the fourth quarter is putting on a lot of pressure and heat on the Bears with his play? You know, you're going to need a quarterback and an offense that can kind of match that or at least match that intensity in doing whatever the Bears are trying to accomplish. And what I mean by that is, let's say the Bears have come in with a very run-heavy game plan. You don't necessarily get out of your game plan unless the score and the clock dictate it. If you can match that same type of intensity, whatever the game plan is of, let's say, the Lions, let's say they want to come out and throw it. You know, if they're throwing it and they're executing their game plan, it gives you some pause. But if the Bears can do what they need to do, which is, let's say, run the football, and they accomplish that control time of possession, don't let Matt Stafford on the field, that defense is rested, it's that same kind of intensity and same type of execution, even if they're two different game plans, one more pass heavy, one more run heavy. Mitch Trubisky 
this is really going to be the key for a lot of these games and just really key for his career. He has just not been a guy that's been able to execute whatever the offense needs him to do. Now, that doesn't mean he's just been a total failure. He's done some nice things, especially late in games. It doesn't seem like he loses composure and he doesn't just turn the football over all the time. But, you know, this is a big opportunity for Mitch. He's played really well against Detroit. If he can come in and deliver some really solid offensive execution and that defense does what that defense does and the Bears come away with a victory, that's a huge first step for this Bears team, a huge step for Mitchell Trubisky, and that maybe can allow him to catapult a little bit. But you come into Detroit, you come in flat, unable to do your offensive execution, and I mean, there's going to be some sloppiness with no preseason and a, and a kind of a abbreviated training camp for all these teams across the NFL. But if you can come in, get the job done, that's huge. If you come in, fall short, Mitchell Trubisky sets himself up for more controversy and maybe that leash being pulled on him and no longer being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Moving on to another goal and a very important goal. And it's a goal for this week, but it's going to be something that we're going to talk about all season long. It's going to be a continuing story. It's it's kind of like one of those shows where, you know, let's say it's 10 episodes in a season and there's an overarching plot where at episode one, you know this, and in episode 10, it's concluded. But within the 10 episodes, there's a mini plot. And there'll be, let's say, I don't know, scenes or something that connects to the bigger plot. You know, they can always be independent, lived by itself as an episode, but it's a part of a greater whole. And I think the Bears are kind of in that situation if, let's say, Bears TV decide to do a, a reality show. I think the, the title would be The Identity or What Is Your Identity? Because certainly... When it comes to coaching, and this harkens back to the We Are Regal Radio Bears season preview that was released earlier this week, my feelings are that the coaching staff, whether or not this is true for management, is under the most heat. Uh, They are the ones that really have to show something this year. So where can we look at potential improvement? And to me, a huge one is within the coaching staff because they are... They are fundamental along with the players in creating identity for a football team. Because sure, ultimately your identity is what your personnel is or what it should be at least. Because you want your schemes, you want your plays, you want your game playing to fit the personnel that you have one through 53. You know, if we're, if we got a great quarterback, we want to throw the football and we want to get after the other team's passers so we can put up points and we can end this game. You know, we got a terrific offensive line and run game. So we need to pound that rock and control the clock, control time possession and get play action going and let our defense just feast on the other team. Whatever it is, every team has to come up with their identity and the Bears were identity less last year. I mean, Defensively, they had the strongest identity, which was still a good defense, but you could see from the steps back that they took from 2018. In 2018, they were a dominant run-stopping defense. That was part of their identity. That was lost last year. Not that they were terrible against the run, but a huge step back. You know, getting after the passer was a big part of their identity in 2018. Unable to really capture that the next season, and injuries played a big part in that. 
In 2018, creating takeaways was a big part of the identity of this team. And obviously we saw a big drop in that category a year ago. And even in 2018, the running game, believe it or not, was a big part of the Bears' identity. I mean, they were a good running football team, not the best, but with Mitch and the running backs that they had, you know, they were certainly a threat to opposing defenses. But in 2019, it's hard to really look at anything the Bears did as an identity. It just felt like they really had nothing to hang their hat on. They couldn't hang their hat on their defense. They couldn't hang their hat on uh, their offense, their run game, their coaching, nothing. And coaching has to play a big part in it. They're the ones game planning. They're the ones calling these plays. They're the ones putting these players in positions to succeed. And in 2018, it was a total role reversal. It just felt like this Bears team had their identity. They have to get back to what they were like in 2018. And that's where part of this goal this week is figuring out that identity or at least establishing an identity, even if it's not what's going to overall be the fabric of this team moving forward. But they need to establish themselves offensively, defensively, and on special teams. Because too many times last year, it was the defense playing well early, special teams not really contributing in a big way, whether it was kicking or returns, you know, coverages were solid, but then the offense would at least need a half to get going. Uh, if they ever got going, it was always in the second half of football games and you can't wait that long. You can't be a first half, second half team and expect to win a lot of games in the NFL. So how does Matt Nagy come out with his game planning, with his play calling, with the players that he has, and he's chosen Mitch Trubisky to be his starter. What identity do you develop? How do you attack the Lions where it's something that looks appealing to the eye, where it's, it's certainly maximizing the talents of the players that you have and attacking the potential weaknesses of the opposing team? That's what you want your identity to look like. It's got to have a feel and energy and just a tactical advantage to it. The best teams are able to establish themselves and establish an identity. So it is extremely important. Coaching plays a huge part in that. And I'm very curious to see what the Bears do both offensively and defensively to establish an identity early. And that is certainly the goal. Or like how Matt Nagy put it when a reporter asked, how can you tell if the offense is really humming this early uh, in this first opener game when you haven't seen much against an opposing team? And he said, crispness, the ability to execute, the how the team kind of looked in 2018 when they played the Packers. And even though it wasn't this offensive bombardment, but in that first half, the Bears were moving the football and they were doing some really nice things. And it looked like they were just executing out there. Can they get back to something similar to that? And that's what Matt Nagy is going to be looking for. And all our all us Bears fans to see if this team can really turn a corner, they need to establish an identity, both offensively and defensively. Let's move along to another goal in this matchup for the Chicago Bears against the Detroit Lions. You know, a common theme I would expect across the NFL, especially this opening week, maybe the week after, but within this first month of the season, the first four games, uh, there could be a decent amount of sloppiness and a decent amount of 
non-execution on small type things. I mean, when you look at the Thursday opener with the Houston Texas and the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs offense wasn't necessarily humming like we've seen it, but it was very effective and they played pretty darn well. Now that makes a, a lot of sense, right? You have all the same pieces there, nothing's really changed, there's no personnel uh, change whatsoever. This team is riding high in confidence, being the defending Super Bowl champs. You know, it makes a lot of sense why they'd come out there and really find their feet eventually and put up some points. Uh, that's what they do. You look at uh, the Houston Texans, it just seemed like they really couldn't get their passing game going until the second half. And, you know, the Chiefs did a good job of, of blitzing and putting a lot of pressure on that Texans offensive line who hasn't played a ton together, hasn't done any preseason. I mean, it's basically the same group from a year ago, so it's not like there's not a, a decent amount of continuity. But, you know, we know with training camp, if you don't have padded practices, it's really hard for linemen to get better and for them to really improve because that's really the only way to do it. You can do some, some drills and some other things, but if you're not, you know, hitting, if you're not getting in your stance and firing off on the football, like it just, it you can't really simulate that. So a huge thing in all these games is going to be how teams execute, you know, one through 11, because you can always have one or two guys that aren't executing versus the rest of the group that is doing their jobs. And that's the difference between a touchdown pass versus getting a stop and getting a punt. And, and this applies to special teams, this applies to offense, it applies to everything across the field, even the coaches and their play calling. Matt Nagy has done a really good job in the past of getting the Bears ready for competition. And under his tenure, the Bears have, haven't really been blown out. There might have been some games where it gets out of hand pretty early-ish, but for the most part, a lot of times you're going into the fourth quarter, even though no faith in the Bears in finishing, at least in 2019, but you go into the fourth quarter thinking like, hey, it's a two-possession game, touchdown, field goal. We get a couple stops and get a score. This game is far from over. Can they continue that similar type of execution? Because a big way of not getting blown out in games is guys coming in ready, guys taking care of their assignments, doing their jobs. Maybe the other team's more talented, a little bit better, so they eventually kind of win the war of attrition and come up with the victory. But when you get blown out, it's usually just making a lot of mistakes early and then you're out of it mentally and then it just avalanches from there. So how sloppy are the Bears? How well do they execute? Do they look like the team that's a little bit more prepared than, let's say, the Lions, who we have questions about Matt Patricia and his coaching staff? Or the opposite? Do the Bears look like they aren't ready? Does it look like the Lions are coming as more hungry team and, and they're executing and the sloppiness on their level is less because definitely in 2019, full training camp, full preseason, we saw a lot of sloppiness out of the Bears offense. And even when you looked at things defensively, it wasn't as crisp, it wasn't as on time, it wasn't as perfect as it was with Vic Fangio versus Chuck Pagano. So really a big key in these early games is not shooting yourself in the foot by making silly mistakes like sloppiness, penalties, uh, maybe reading, uh, committing a turnover because guys aren't on the same page. All of that stuff, you have to try to minimize and try to keep it as as little as possible and let the talent on the field dictate how this game is going to play. Because if the Bears can execute, there's no doubt that they should be able to 
be close at this game late in the fourth and have a chance to win it versus if they are sloppy, this thing could get kind of ugly pretty quickly, especially if Stafford and the offense of the Lions are really rolling. 